welcome to the Noisy Narrative Podcast. My name is Debbie Vallejo, and I'm here with... Christy Williams. And Robbie Heath. And the Noisy Narrative Podcast, um, we talk through just all the parts and pieces of our story and then cut through the noise, get to the heart of what really matters here on Noisy Narrative. So we're going to have Christy um, introduce our guest. So Robbie Heath is my neighbor, former neighbor, I guess. Um, And so that's how I got to know her. But she is a counselor here in Frisco, a child counselor? How yeah. do you label yourself? What's your title? <laughs> so I'm a play therapist. Play therapist. Yeah. That sounds better. I like that. <laughs> a play therapist at Kid Talk in Frisco. And so we are excited to have her in today to talk about um, kind of where we're at right now in the world with kids and parents. And we kind of want her advice and her insight in kind of this crisis state that she's, we were talking about earlier that these kids are in. So I'm going to just kind of let you take it from there. Define kind of what is a crisis state? for kids. Yeah, well, and for parents too. So I think Mm -hmm. everybody. So I think we live through periods of like calmness and then we live through periods of when there's crisis. And I think with COVID, um, when it first started, we were in a panic crisis state. We didn't know what was going along. There was a lot of unknowns happening. Um, We didn't have much information. And so everybody was up in arms and feeling like there's a crisis going on. Um, I noticed this mainly during the stay-at-home orders where families were kind of isolated, were stuck at home trying to figure out a new way of being, switching to virtual platforms when that isn't our normal, um, having to learn all these new ways of being so we're in a crisis state. Um, And I think we all were counting on those 30 days to be up and Mm -hmm. then it's continued now for eight months. So we're not meant to live in this chronic crisis state. We're Mm -hmm. meant to like Um, go into a crisis, come back out of it, um, recharge, and then go back in. And so we're eight months in of being in this crisis state. So what do you see kind of the impacts of the isolation for these kids that have been in this crisis state and the families? What are impact? What are some of the things that you see? I mean, definitely we get more calls for increased anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression, um, ADHD symptoms because they're at home. They're not getting the normal interactions with friends and family as they're used to. Um, I think parents are more overwhelmed. Parents are being asked to do things they're not used to having to do, working from home, not having childcare options available that they're used to having, not having play dates like they're used to having. Um, So I think nobody has a normal anymore and we're having to figure it out. Um, And it's just increasing anxiety and depression. And I think the longer it goes on, um, I think people talk about the long-term effects of COVID and just kind of the actions taken is there's gonna be these prolonged effects Um, of mental health, of just increasing as the longer we're detached from those connective networks. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's real good. So help us kind of think through how can we help connect with kids, help our kids connect with other kids for the ones that are really feeling the effects of the isolation. And maybe the ones, the parents that have so much anxiety about all of this, right? That they don't want their kids to go out. They're so afraid of it. They can't function. They're kind of frozen. Yeah. And, you know, being, it's been a really... It's been an honor to be a counselor to people through this process because I've gotten to see um, all families of all thinking and backgrounds and family makeups um, and everybody's on a different continuum of where they're at and so some people are willing to take more risk and some family like you mentioned have to be more conservative in what risks they can take but I think what we're learning is for those families that can't take as many risks or can't figure out a way for their kid to connect we have to find some way Mm -hmm. um, 
for them to still have that human to human connection in a safe way that fits for your family. Um, Describe why it's so important to have the human human connection, even outside your family. Like earlier, we we're talking about use the word hugging. I thought that was great. I thought that was yeah, really good. Yeah, so you think Why of our nervous so systems is like we connect with each other. And so mm-hmm. when we come in contact with someone, we can sense how they're feeling and our nervous systems kind of hug and connect with each other. Um, they kind of say hello. And it I forgot what I was listening to. There's a great lady named Lisa Dion um, who's a counselor and she talks about our energy. And she says we basically are, it's a global hug. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need that. Our nervous systems need to connect with other people. And we Virtual is a great interim yeah. um, to meet that need, but eventually we need human-to-human connection because our nervous systems need to connect. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's real good. What about, um, what's one of your favorite quotes that you like to go to during this time? <laughs> well, yeah, the root of all suffering is attachment. Nice. Um, so it's kind of how I practice counseling. I believe that, you know, we have anxiety and depression and PTSD symptoms and even ADHD because we're not feeling connected. Um, So you think of what happens now with COVID and restrictions and just our lifestyle changes, we don't get to connect like we're used to. And so you take away um, our ability to attach to our friends, our family members, um, people that we were talking about the grocery store is so Mm -hmm. limited in connection. We used to say hi to people. We would like interact with people about food choices. We don't get that connection anymore. So you think of our attachment is limited. We're going to suffer more. Mm -hmm. So we have to find a way to build that in, in this new environment. So help us. You've used the word connect a lot. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a passion of yours is for people to connect, kids to connect, parents to connect with kids. But give us tools, like hands-on things that that these parents that are listening can go, well, this is great, Robbie. This is wonderful. (laughs) But I need to know, what do I need to do? How can I do this? Um, So as being a play therapist, we firmly in my office believe in play is kids' language. And if you have ever sat, so we're all licensed mental health counselors, but we specialize in a child's language, which is playing. And Mm -hmm. so parents can use that language of just sitting with their kid and letting their child lead, doing five to ten minutes of child-led playtime. I feel like the key word there is child-led. Yeah. Right? Because you want to sit down and be like, this is stupid. I don't want to play this. Why are we playing this? Oh, yeah. my God. And learning Why to, like, get in their world. Them. You're not doing that right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or don't oh. mess that up. What are you doing? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, play therapy is really, is the opposite. We mm-hmm. actually guide kids through not asking questions. They have to ask us for help. And sometimes when they're struggling to open the Play-Doh, I just want to rip it from them and open it because yes. it's been a 10-minute process. But they need to struggle through that um, to open that Play-Doh on their own so that they know they can do it. Um, so child-led means just being a witness and being there to support them, sending the messages of, I see you, I hear you, and I'm with you. Um, so for I bus- see you, that's really good. I see you, I hear you, and I'm with you. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah, and honestly, that's all counseling is. We're conveying that message of, I'm here with you, I see you, I'm with you, and I get to be a witness to your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so parents can do that. So I know parents are so busy, and we live a very busy lifestyle. Um, But just five minutes of just sitting there. You can be like on your phone flipping through, probably not. Um, But just sitting with your kids saying, hey, I'm going to be with you while you choose to play with whatever toys in your room you want. Um, And see, just notice what they pick up and play with. Notice what they are playing out. Mm -hmm. A lot of times kids play out things they've experienced. So in the playroom, sometimes it'll seem really insignificant, but I'll ask parents, has kids played out the same thing four or five times? Did this happen in your family? And they're like, yeah, like five years ago. But this kid showing me through these, their language, I'm still stuck here. So if parents could connect in that way of having that child-led time, you're giving them an outlet. Um, I wrote down one of my favorite quotes. Um, A child's play is not simply a reproduction of what he has experienced, but a creative 
reworking of the impressions he has acquired by Vygotsky. Um, you got to say that again. That's, that was a really long one. <laughs> so a child's play is not simply a reproduction of what he's experienced, but a creative reworking of the impressions he has acquired. Um, so think of that. If you allow that space for your kid, to you to be there or friends to be there, they can rework their experiences and have this outlet. Um, so you're talking about simple things. So five minutes of child-led play. So just, hey, can I sit with you while you play? What do you want me to do? How can I play with you? So this is even from, like, little kids, like toddlers, little kids, all the way to... Yeah, like teenagers. Like high schoolers. Yeah. I did play cards with my daughter the other day, and I was like, you want to play cards? She was like, yeah. So we taught her gin rummy. I mean, gin rummy, yeah. Sitting across. And I was like, this was so much fun. Because we do so many things together, Mm -hmm. but literally just to both just sit, and and we weren't talking about life, like, because we sit and talk. But to not talk about it and just to play, it was so fun. Yeah, and to connect. And, you know, on a counselor level, we play games all the time in counseling because we learn how people handle frustration. How do you handle Mm -hmm. turn-taking? So you can also just, you're honing in on some social skills. Yes, you are. Um, And you're mastering a new task when you learn a game. I mean, I can go on. Well, and talking to parents about how not to get frustrated if their child doesn't take turns well or doesn't, like, how do you expect it and just be ready for it? Because yeah. the idea that they're just going to come in like a little adult yeah. and already know all those things. Yeah, they're learning. And yeah, we, we totally. as adults model for them. So their brains aren't developed and they're kind of little sponges and they pick up from us. So the more um, times you can provide opportunities to teach them that and model for them. But also, like you said, connection isn't always about sitting and talking. It can be being with. Let me just play a game. My time's valuable, so I want to spend it with you. And then the mutual enjoyment. Like you said, you weren't expecting for it to be fun. And so it's a mutually enjoyable thing. And that's what builds attachment is you're saying, I want to do that again. Mm-hmm. And the kid's like, I enjoyed when mom did that with me. Mm-hmm. I want to do it again. And then both of you want to do it more often. Mm-hmm. So what would you tell a parent who feels like they're stuck right now in negative interactions like yeah. it's just a constant Ooh, that's a good circle question. that is a good uh, question we get that a lot yeah that's yeah and those one. are a lot of the calls right now we get yeah. for counseling it's like hey i'm at home my kids driving me nuts mm-hmm. um yeah i'll i can't i miss i miss hanging out with my kid i can't enjoy it anymore um i think the first thing is redoing your mindset i think you have to look for the good i think we're wired to look for the negative because it protects us so if we can point out the things that aren't going well, we can prepare, right? Again, back to that anxiety state. So if we're looking for the negative, yes. we're constantly gonna be able to prepare ourselves. Um, so you have to shift that. So the first thing is look for the good, catch them being good. You need to be reminded of the good things because you're narrowing in on the not so great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always tell parents, just name one thing each week you come that you caught them doing good. Oh, that's good. And then you tell them that in our session so they can hear it from you. That's and so, so then if you're catch them being good and then how do you respond to them even how do you learn how to do that in that negative <laughs> in our house we're like woo exactly. our like, hands go up set, we're like, clapping I get all happy <laughs> I think you just say like like about the negative or how do you the catch good, them like when you catch them being yeah, good I think you say like, like hey I noticed you did that or like right. even you whispering you have to be specific right about it hey yeah. I noticed you yeah and my it. favorite phrase is hey I noticed you did this and that was really kind of you to do to your brother I know that was really hard for you to choose to do that but you did it anyways and I noticed you again going back to that I see you I'm with you I noticed what you did um I feel like, though, that, and I hear exactly what you're saying. I feel like there are so many parents, though, that have their phone in front of their face. 
Like they have to. So learn. they don't notice. They don't notice. Oh. They don't see. They don't. They might hear because yeah. you can hear and be looking so, down. And I get that's yeah. what I get frustrated with. I think. Well, and I think too, I have come to really. I think people are on their phones because they need it. And I even know from my own personal experiences, when I'm exhausted or tired, I turn to my phone because I'm saying I can't, it's too hard to do the other stuff. And so I'm going to check out and do the thing that's going to give me a dopamine. Yes. Like, so our phones are built to give us dopamine so we feel better. And so like thinking of those parents that are on their phone, why are you on your phone? Is it because what's going on is too much? And acknowledging that. So saying like, hey, I'm on my phone because right now this is too much for me. And Mm -hmm. so being aware of your own feelings but then our endurance is low too. Yeah, I think well, like it used word. to be endurance or tolerance. Endurance. Okay. I think endurance. We're not yeah, meant absolutely. to do this for this. So, level. but it used to be though. I feel like we even maybe had longer endurance for social interactions. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, getting the positives from the phone and other things means I feel like our endurance yeah. for the interactions piece. Yeah. No, I agree. So I always talk to parents about our emotional cup. So we have an emotional cup throughout the day. um, And things fill us up. They empty the cup. Even for kids, too, we all have this cup, and it's limited either way. Um, And I think for when we're on our phones, we're trying to fill our cup. Mm. And if we can be aware that, hey, I need to emotionally fill my cup up, how can I do that in other ways? So it comes with awareness. Or like, hey, my cup's really low. My endurance is low. I need to start filling it up in other ways. This can't be. So it's, so what are good ways to do that? That is. I mean, it goes are, back to connection. Yeah. I think a lot of times when we're hurting or needing something, usually it's connection. Like call a friend. Don't text mm. them. Call them. Yes. Hear their voice. Because like I said, virtual can only do so much. Mm-hmm. So at least a phone call, you hear their voice, video chat them, you know, um, reach out to people. Like connection, always some way switch to connection. So how if... Um, so the connection piece is important. This is this is impacting kids, mm-hmm. parent kid relationships, but also parent parent relationships. Oh yeah. So if you, what is your suggestion to parents with kind of staying on the same page or like understanding each other well enough to sit down and kind of hash through those hard conversations about how they're going to parent right now? Yeah, I mean I think it comes with awareness, um, and I think I love the idea of using the same language. So that's why we, in my office, we always use the language of filling our emotional cup. Because if you can use the same language, hey, I'm really depleted today. I had a rough day at work. Kids are driving me nuts. My, the Google Classroom didn't work. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to break. And then you can use that language with your partner to say, hey, I need you to fill my cup. And like it goes back and forth, but that takes vulnerability too of saying like, hey, it, right? I'm, I'm empty. And that doesn't mean I'm a bad parent. It just means I'm empty today and I don't have the endurance to do it. Um, and again, parents aren't bad people because they have bad days. There's yeah. no, you know, like we just have a limited capacity each day. Sure. And sometimes things take more of that. Right. Now, what are you suggesting to parents who disagree on how to handle COVID with their kids? Oh, we're seeing a lot of that. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, I we've seen it in our practice too. Like, to like maybe with divorced families or even married couples, they believe differently, and I think. A lot of times it's we have to send the same message to our kids like at the end of the day so how do you do that i think it's coming to like talking about really what is the issue of how you're handling COVID and what are the fears and how can we meet in the middle or how can we meet your needs or worries about it at the same time but also we have to have some congruence in the house um that's a really big word what does congruence mean means like i don't know i (laughs) i picture like a venn diagram and coming together in the middle being the congruence like you can disagree on parts of it, but there has to be some 
parts that match up? And can we find those parts that match up that we can be on the same page about? And then being honest with your kids. Hey, mommy doesn't believe this. Daddy, you know, but not. So, but for them to be on the same page, that means there's going to be some things that some of these parents are going to hold and they might have to give in one area, right? So it's a give and take too. Yeah. Which is going to be hard for two parents that already fundamentally might disagree about something. Yeah, which is strongly. Strongly. But you have to go, we're doing this for the kids. Yeah. Right? Like it has to be that mentality. It's not about me. Like for me, some of uh, what I've seen in a lot of our parents, and I'm saying, like some have worked well and come to the middle and just understood there's really things you can't control. Yeah. And you're balancing mental, emotional, spiritual health along Mm -hmm. with physical health. And that is right now just creating a lot of different issues yeah. of course but then you do have some that really literally think okay this is a matter of life and death yeah so you have the one parent that says this is life and death if we do this with our kids there's a potential of long-term consequences and then you have this other one over here saying i actually totally emphatically disagree with that yeah like how do you even meet in the middle i don't know with it's so hard. i don't have a good answer what have you seen that you've seen parents do well when you you kind of pep talk them in this, or you tell them this, and then they come back and they're like, this is where we did. What have you seen work? I mean, I think it's explaining things to your kids and also parents just having an honest conversation about like where their beliefs are coming from, right? Like, I think I've yeah. given my example of my parents have been like eye-opening for me through this because they're very scared and at home and they have taught me a lot about how people are thinking right now. Um, so we are in different camps of thinking and we had to come together of how can we still... Meet, see each other. See each other and do it safely and both meet our needs. Um, yeah. Um, but I don't have an answer for that. Like, I don't, I think it's vulnerability and explaining and getting to the root of where those beliefs come from. Like, mm-hmm. if you're scared COVID's going to happen, are there, talking about alternate, are there safer places that you feel a little more comfortable? Like outside? Yeah. And even I think, I'm so glad you said, I just, I don't have a good answer for that because I think even everything, counseling even has its limitations. Mm-hmm. Because it's only as good as the people who go and decide. I like want to clap right now. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like use it. Yeah, and there's some times that we have people that don't, they can't get on the same page. I mean, even, and they fundamentally have to figure that out because we can't change them. Um, And sometimes, like we're limited. Like, hey, you believe in different camps, and also they have the right to believe that. And we're talking counseling for an hour a week or an hour every other week yeah. is not going to, unless someone's diving in to do the personal work when they leave your office. Yeah. That's I mean, so what do you have when your families come in and you're working with kids and stuff? What is What are the kinds of things you send families home with? Um, I mean, a lot of time it's just like building in like positive experiences. So we're very attachment-based counseling practice. So it's how can you connect at home? How can we build in healthy patterns of communication? Um, How can we build in more time that you get to connect with your kid at home in healthy ways? So just the things we've already talked about. Um, Also helping parents bring more awareness to like how their own history of growing up impacts their ability to parent and, Mm. and kind of helping them not feel like terrible people because sometimes I think when parents walk into our office they feel like they're a bad parent or like how did we get here I I didn't do this right Um, and I don't view parents that way at all I view them as like man a hiccup happened your own stuff got in the way too and your kids pushing back on you and it's a learning moment and a growth moment and Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're bad 
Doesn't we want to tell ourselves that. That's how we, we feel do. going in. Like we, we were a failure. Shame. We couldn't do it at our own home. I know. And I we have to pay now to help somebody else, help my kid. I know. And that's pretty <laughs> much every intake is like telling parents like, hey, I'm not here to fix. Number one, I'm not here to fix your kid. We're just here to help like find new ways of connecting and understanding each other and using what you already have to make it better. Um, and that there's no judgment here. Like there's no bad parent. There's you're only given so many tools by your parents growing up. We're just trying to make it. Um, you're so sweet. There's no bad parents. There really isn't. I haven't sweet met. Sweet line. And I've worked I don't know. I, I, think you, I was going to say, you haven't met one bad parent. No. And you're I've just worked, not. You're just too nice. You're I've not worked, critical. You know, people say I'm too nice a lot, but I don't think so. I don't think so. You just see the good in people. I really do. Like, I yeah. worked at Child Protective Services, and I saw some awful abuse, but I also saw some hurt parents. And yeah. they were just passing on generational ways yes. of being. And if they had really good service providers, maybe an intervention could have been a better option. And so, I mean, if you can just see. Catch them earlier. Catch yeah. them before things get so exceptionally traumatic. Yeah. Everyone. And give parents the I tools and also build totally. them up. Like, I think parents sometimes need a bat on, pat on the back. Yes. Um, saying like you're doing a good job like yeah. it is interesting I saw a um, an engineer did a talk one time even he's like a he's so super smart you know but he actually showed the growth mm-hmm. like the exponential growth of what the generations now are learning so quickly at such a young oh. age versus us when we were younger yeah and he said they're seeing just the dynamic between parents and kids because of that alone like our kids are outsmarting us at like 10 you know well yes and sixth grade math was a beating when I first was exposed to it I was like what is going on here so then we just as parents want to just like lash out because it puts us off kilter we feel like we should know more than our kids and we don't like to admit when we're wrong and we were raised so incredibly differently and it's like our kid it's like there's five generations between us and our kids mm-hmm. instead of two yeah and sped up for sure exactly and yeah. so I find that fascinating too yeah. do you see that a lot to where just the kids are just light years away as far as just their yeah. experiences from what their parents even I think knew? they're just exposed to more on more earlier on right so we're seeing kids exposed to stuff through social media earlier on stuff that like my generation I didn't have a phone in high school mm-hmm. like I didn't have it till college. And we're a generation, like, just so y'all know who are listening, we're christening our generation more further mm-hmm. away than Robbie even, so we really weren't. I mean, yeah. like, so we're parenting. So you're catching up. Years, but I think, totally. like, if you can honor that of, like, hey, this is a new territory. My parents didn't give me these tools. i got to figure this out. And can your whole family humbly walk through this together, right? Like, hey, like, we're How do you not be mad about it? Yeah, like, can parents be like, oh, hey, that, we're figuring this out with you, too. Be Don't you remember they introduced like math at the, I guess it was like fifth grade, fourth grade, and parents were livid, they mad. Were. They were. So mad. I, can't, or I think it was for one of my kids, like third grade. I can't believe this is not how we learn. Right. Da, da, da. This but is my kid learn. learned it so uh, fast, loved it, and all of them are great at math. But it's I mean, so and I was appropriate like, for, for yeah. what these kids are doing now. Yes. It was not appropriate for us, but it, no. it, I totally. And I was like, why are y'all getting so exactly. upset? Because you can't figure it out, it but exactly. your kids are thriving. Yeah. But they couldn't connect those two. But is it because it brings up something with a parent of like, I can't do this? Probably, I couldn't do the math. Like, I still would be like, that so makes when, no sense to me. But guess what? All my kids can do it. Yeah. And they're the ones that are but getting then, the grades. But Not then me. you think like, how does a parent make that, how does that make you feel that like, oh, I can't do this, but my kid can't, I can't help them. You know, that inferiority yes. feeling. Well, and how this is where 
like Christy was saying. I mean, we t- we were talking about this earlier. I would tend to just look at someone and say, okay, I know you feel bad about it, you know, but it's time to get over that and move on <laughs> and help your kid and not be upset at the world because this doesn't look the way you're comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. And that in it. And don't post on social media exactly. about it, please. Yes. <laughs> please. Yes. Hide I your mean, crazy a little bit better. Because that, that changing all of that and the way they teach math and some of these other language yeah. things uh-huh. has created this avenue of learning for our kids I feel like I see now with them as high school yeah, students that's, cool. that's amazing yeah but I would I had to relearn all that stuff when they were in elementary mm-hmm. and have to learn how to mm-hmm. teach them and yeah. it can be frustrating but we can do it we can do hard things mm-hmm. oh my gosh we really can I love that you said that because my favorite sign in my office is we can do hard things and it don't literally... you have a t-shirt that says that I do I love the yeah. saying because I think like that's what counseling is we can do hard mm-hmm. things we can like life is full of hard things and we mm-hmm. can do it and we're capable of it. And just because you hit an obstacle doesn't mean we run away from it. We have to go through it or else it's going to feel uncomfortable. For and how are we modeling getting outside of our little box and modeling yeah. that for our kids? I've realized people in, you know, our my age group are very boxed in with how we <laughs> view the world. Our flattened, yeah. we, we have flattened our kind of understanding yeah. of where people are. Well, and that, we, we were talking earlier about empathy. Because yeah. um, I'm so concerned about the world and the lack of empathy with little ones and I think we're not teaching them and I think um man I wrote something it's hard to be empathetic to someone who you think is a threat um or something you don't know so we were talking earlier about with COVID when we think of people as being a threat it's hard to be empathetic and so it's just reinforcing empathy for each other I don't know where I was going with that no that's good but I like that because now you were saying it's hard to teach it to kids we're not teaching one of our kids yeah but I mean it's just being vulnerable and saying like hey I don't know how to do this can you walk me through it or you know we need to teach kids that we can do hard things and it's okay to admit if we don't know something yeah it's okay to so just to kind of wrap up this part of it because we're going to have a part two um with Robbie as well but just to kind of wrap up this specific discussion mm-hmm. on right now, just the stress of the circumstances yeah. with COVID-19 and everything. If you were going to give parents just one or two big rocks Ooh. that they nuggets. need to kind of nuggets to take yes. from this conversation about how to handle this particular stressful time yeah. with their entire family, knowing they got different kids with yeah. different needs in their home. They're not all the same. And yeah. them as parents, what would be... A couple of big rocks I mean, the first one for sure is for parents. Just remember your emotional cup. It's limited. And you got to fill it up and things take out of your cup. And just being aware of that. And when you have hard days, communicating that to your kiddos too. So that they don't think that, hey, mommy's mad at me. Kids are always, um, what's the word, egocentric. So they think mm-hmm. they caused it. So like just letting them know, hey, I had a long day. I'm, I'm empty yeah. today. Using that same language of emotional cup. Hey, this fills me up. Or hey, this empties me. Mommy's empty. So just also parents just being aware and understanding that if they're responding to people like they're upset but it, even though they yeah. may not be upset at them their kids are really going to think they're upset at them yeah and, and that, that awareness and you're teaching those kids that language of like hey some days we're running on empty mm-hmm. um and that's okay we're limited but like communicating that to people um and also being mindful about as parents you need to fill your cup up and like does that mean you call a friend does that mean that you put hang doing parenting duties or laundry off because you need to like have coffee with a friend in a safe way outside mm-hmm. and just connect with them 
Connect with people or voices. Not you did say that. Don't text people. Call people. It's okay to have a dirty house. Your house doesn't have to be perfect all the time. I know. We call that uh, missionary living. If they come in the house and you're like, I know, go to my bathroom. It's gonna be okay. I'm gonna make you feel real good about your bathroom. (laughs) Go to my bathroom. That's right. I keep this dirty just for this. Just for you. I I want you to feel good about your house. I'm doing it for you. But I mean, I do think I I think it's been my own experience through the pandemic. I'm a big texter because I hate calling people, not because I don't like hearing their voice. I'm just a big introvert. And I like to talk on my own terms, um, but I've been calling people because I'm I'm hit my introvert limit. Yeah, yeah. and I have I'm I love being loved. Yeah, um, but I have to call friends because I need to hear their voice. And again, think of it as your nervous system connecting to them, even through voice. You hear their tone of voice; they empathize with you. We've talked about that on other podcasts. Another one we did just how for a while everybody was like, "Oh, it's the extroverts in trouble. They're having so many issues." But the introverts are really struggling too, and I don't think. They know it as quickly until they just yeah. hit a wall. Oh, like I'm an introvert in my house. A couple of them. Yeah, and, and you. Like, a, I think we're hitting a wall. Yes. And I don't know how much time we have, but yes. on Friday I ended up at um, Nebraska Furniture Mart buying a sofa set because I hit my wall. Oh, I was wow. like, I was like, I have retail only, therapy. Huh? I have only nice. been to work my gym that has like four people yeah. at a time, and I go home. That's my life, which yeah. I love normally. That's like, oh. Love it, yeah. but I hit my limit. Eight yes. months, I'm, I'm at my limit. How did I end up yeah. in Nebraska, just wanting to be around people, yeah. talking to salespeople, and then buying like a couch that wasn't in stock? <laughs> I didn't even get it. Come back to the neighborhood. So, There's lots of it. us at the neighborhood. And we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll save your budget. Also, just even thinking of introverts, like it's time. Like yeah. you still need people. Yeah. And then the other nugget is connecting with your kids and building that connection time. So in a safe way. So like I've heard great things of neighborhood kids. Like hey, if your kid is high risk, finding another high risk kid whose family has a similar life lifestyle and building a pod with them so that hey you feel good about your kid hanging out with them because family makes similar choices um going to the park playing outside parents going on walks with their kids that's um, good building connection and playing with your kid if your kid's playing video games say hey can i play a player too mm-hmm. um so just connecting and being mindful that kids need that especially since it's limited Yes. And teach your kids Pac-Man if you can't play their game. Oh, yeah. Don't like, I'm taking you back. Yeah, we're going back. Mario. That's right. <laughs> well, and thinking, and thinking even if your kid is going to school, it's limited. I've heard from kids that they yeah. don't get to be in the classroom with their friends. Recess mm-hmm. isn't what it used to be. Lunchtime. Right. So even they're not even meeting their connection needs with going back to school. Because no, they used to have their classes would combine on the playground. Mm-hmm. So even if they weren't in their individual homeroom yeah. class, for lack of a better word, with a friend. Yeah. They got to see them on the playground. Yeah. But now they're, you're right, they're not. They're even more isolated in their little yeah. groups. So don't just think because they're going to school there, their cups are Getting being filled everything. completely. Mm, that's good. That's good. All right, everyone. So that is the end of our um, Noisy Narrative Part 1 podcast with Robbie. We were so glad you were here um, with us today. And until next time, we're just going to wrap this one up in a nice little bow so you guys can take a break before you listen to Part 2. Um, Anyway, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.